Hey everyone, Michelle here with a quick message about the audio quality in this episode. We had a little bit of a snafu with our recording equipment, and so this episode is going to sound a bit different than our usual episodes. Not bad, just different. You can still totally understand what we're saying, but I still wanted to give you all a warning before we got things started. With that being said, enjoy the episode. Impeccable! It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts! Welcome to our show, where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And with us today, we have a fantastic guest. He is a YouTube video essayist. You may have seen his content talking about not just Doctor Who, but also talking about anime, TV shows, great movie commentaries. I particularly recommend the Monsters, Inc. one. Please welcome to the show, Samuel Davis. As far as intros go, I'm taking that. That was stellar. <laughs> That's just the level we operate at, I think. So let's get things started by asking the question we ask every time we have a new guest for the first time, which is, how did you first watch Full Metal Alchemist? Like a lot of people, I was a very lonely 14-year-old boy. And that led me to my first Fisher-Price anime, Soul Eater, which in turn took to, for some reason, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So I, I skipped right over the original Full Metal Alchemist series haven't gone back to this date although i know all the key points then just found quickly myself in one of the best laid plots i've ever seen so wait you haven't gone back to the 2003 one i not yet but you know what happens oh i know the youtubers who probably have spoiled it for me before but at this point it's my fault if i don't know hmm. been out for yes. so long so now it's time for us to do our improvised 21 second recap this is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do, as I said, an improvised 21-second recap of what just happened in this episode, mm -hmm. which is the episode Father. Oh, God. The person who does the recap is decided by the roll of a dice. So if he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's Samuel. So let's roll the dice. Two. Okay. Here, this is my second time in a row, isn't it? I guess it's about time after I went 15 times in a row and Mike went the <laughs> yeah. other 15. Law of probabilities. I've only done it like twice. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, Gluttony and Al show up and they meet Father and he looks just like Hohenheim, but he's not. He's, and he's like, Hohenheim has kids. And then Gluttony's like, blah, and throws up Ed and Envy and Ling. And then everybody fights for a while. And the pandas reunited with, uh, what's her name? Pan. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, and then, uh, and then, father turns Ling into greed. I can't believe I was wrong about Van Hohenheim. I oh my god! I okay, can't you know what? Believe that. Having known for a while now that this moment was coming, I uh, prepared a little song. I think I'm gonna hate this. <laughs> oh no! Mike was wrong no. about Hohenheim. <laughs> no. Mike was wrong. Stop about <laughs> Hohenheim. How can this be happening? Mike was wrong. He looks just like him. Hohenheim. Mike was wrong. They have the same hair. Hohenheim. Mikey, can I show you something under central? Under central. It's a secret that's gonna drive you mental. They should have called it. Drive you mental. Did you think Father and Hohenheim were the same? Yes! <laughs> were the same? Or were you just duper wrong and lame? Wrong and lame. I know. I'm a little bit of my sector. 
I know they have the same hair and that's confusing. Yeah. But now we know the truth and you know what's the best thing. My was wrong about how and how. Turns out he was wrong the whole time. It's an understandable mistake because they do have the same face. I know it must be wrong because Mikey said it and he's wrong. Wow. How many wanna... weeks was that in planning? I hope that took a long time. I, I hope you did say something important. <laughs> I think Arthur brought it up maybe five weeks ago. Oh my God. Yeah, that is when I came up with the idea. The lyrics I came up with in, in an afternoon. I hope you missed a dentist appointment that afternoon. <laughs> Instead of spending time with family and friends. I'm honored. I'm uh, Honestly, I'm honored. And I'm very wrong, but I'm also very honored. <laughs> Before we get into details on just how Mike was wrong, let's just take a moment to talk about the people who wrote and directed this episode. This episode was directed by Toru Ishida. He also directed the episode The Fifth Laboratory. He directed many others after this. He worked on several Marvel anime projects. And fun fact, I had a little problem finding out more information about him at first because his name is similar to the name of the guy who does a Japanese voice of Columbo, Jigsaw, Treebeard, King Triton, and the Indian Chief on Peter Pan. Yikes. This episode was written by Shotaro Suga, who wrote Backs in the Distance, Speech of Dublin, and several after this. He wrote a lot of Ghost in the Shell-related work, and also he wrote for some anime adaptations of video games like Resident Evil, Persona, and Devil May Cry. So yeah, he's got the cool. video game credits. Right. Mike. Michelle. Let's break down how wrong you were. Okay. <laughs> Samuel, when you first watched this, did you think Father and Hunter High were the same person? I really didn't have a clear clue because I'd come in, I'd snuck in after not catching the last five episodes. So I was very much throwing myself in. I did not know that these were two different characters. I didn't even put thought together. I don't know if we recorded this. I don't know if we kept it in the pods. So, you know, but I do think at one point or another, I was like, maybe they aren't the same person. And I feel like we should remember those times. <laughs> yeah, One week out of 28, you said they were the same person. So, uh. but it's totally understandable. And it's like an assumption the show wants you to make. It's definitely trying to trick you. So I think, yeah. I think it's understandable. I think it's a twist. Doesn't have as much of an effective punch. Because the only person who has that assumption in their heads is their viewer. There's no character that shares it. And the first time that a character shares it, it's immediately like answered to be like, oh no, you're just wrong. Mm -hmm. You learn at the same time that Ed does, because even he stumbles and makes that assumption. The viewer spends like 28 episodes going, oh, it's the same character. Clearly it's the same character. Nobody in the show does that. So <laughs> and even the episode itself, my favorite thing is how it's so quick to not only subvert this twist, but also make it clear how much it does not matter. Yeah. His entire introduction is not some pompous big reveal. <laughs> his character very quickly reveals himself to not be traditional anime villain material you, you so, <laughs> wait is that what you think samuel <laughs> he will get there presumably but at the current moment it's such a left turn of a introduction to a character i do think there's like an incredible lack of pomp and circumstance when he is introduced it's kind of like we're here and even al's like wait what wait what wait <laughs> Is the finale. We're meeting the villain. Oh, okay, cool. Stumbled into the finale is the brilliant. That's exactly what you should do at the midpoint of a show. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this. This is the midpoint of the show. There's 64 episodes, so you would logically think the midpoint is episode 32. But this is the middle of the show. This is the moment when the question that runs the show goes from what's going on to how can we stop this guy because now we know what's going on and we have a face 
to right. put to the thread. The direction of the action totally changes. Fair to say that this is the midpoint and that the show is a long act three. Yes, and it's <laughs> the best act three I've seen. Shit. <laughs> wow. So I, I want to take this moment to say, I know you're our guest, but I disagree with you. Ooh, okay, go. I think Father is a very standard anime villain. What is a traditional anime villain? A traditional anime villain is somebody who appears after 20 or so episodes and they go, ha ha, I am the bad guy. There is nothing you can do against me right now, but uh, get back to me like 30 episodes when you're more powerful. And I think <laughs> that's what Father does. You know, I know there's, there's more to come about him and we're going to learn more about his intentions and all that. But as a character in the show, his function is to wipe the table clean and to be like, now this is the biggest bad guy. Now this is a guy we have to attack. And that is the most shonen thing the show has ever done. Mm -hmm. you know? And it is. It remains that. He does sit in a big chair and, uh, as a super solemn, serious guy, take out all of our main characters who are using friendship. That is a part of this show. But it's, I have to say, this isn't our first introduction to Father. To this episode, and thank you for your patience, by the way, picking a specific <laughs> episode, 10 episodes in advance, mm -hmm. uh, because it introduces my favorite character. And not only is that Hohenheim-looking motherfucker, but that's also, we've been seeing him since the introduction of Homunculi. Because to an extent, they are all him, of course. Mm -hmm. They are his sins. Sins personified, but maybe that's why he's also a blank slate, because he's friendly, and he's determined, and he's goal-driven, so it's only the good in him left. He's boring when you view him as his own character in a vacuum. He didn't have, like, a Dark Lord thing about him. He had, like, I'm just pragmatic just doing my thing i i agree with that mm. there's my counter counterpoint i'm trying to think of a counter 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 argument actually if there ain't one don't don't force it yeah <laughs> no you're right i do i do you i guess i will have to give this one to you you know the show up until now has flirted with more heady enemies with more complicated enemies to the moment when roy finds out that the entire upper echelon of the army is in on it you know, it's also resetting the table, but it's setting the table to be like, no, the rot goes much deeper. And it's a kind of villain you can't just punch your way through. I think you're going to get a different kind of opposition. I completely get your point yeah. because now suddenly we do have a Palpatine. So <laughs> it does feel like Shonen, whilst also, in my opinion, doing things which just Shonen genre doesn't deserve. Brotherhood is so above Shonen. And um, hey, <laughs> like me, some narrator. So I can't talk. Like I'm <laughs> it's hard to, for me to, to debate the point without spoiling what happens to the villain. I think he's from Xerxes still. You think he's from Xerxes? I think he's the Sage of the West. You think he's the Sage of the West? No, I who's the Sage of the East? I like how Arthur is just repeating what he's saying. <laughs> you think he's from Xerxes? Yeah, I'm, the... I'm picking up strategies from my therapist and how to keep <laughs> Mike spoiler free. What's your therapist think of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood? And should it be the next guest? My, I still can't get my therapist to tell me the ending. <laughs> he might be both. I don't know. Like, I definitely think he is, though, because I think he clearly started a mistress. He's the power that lies beneath everything. He started the military. He controls the military. Clearly, the entire nation is some kind of, from the first episode, that it's some kind of laid out transmutation circle. It's even shaped like that. This line you're following, though, mm -hmm. is not what the show is interested on. It's what, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? The show is not interested in what he's up to? Father's introduction is kind of the show telling the people like, 
This is what we're going to build up towards. It's going to be a bad guy they have to defeat. It's going to be a show and an ending. Either get in or get out. The show is basically saying this. And I think all the stuff you're wondering about, like, where is he from? Where is, is he from Xerxes? The show is going to give you those answers, but it's not what the show is invested in. That's crazy. I feel like the whole show has been teaching us and really not afraid to talk about all the deeper patriarchal no, and you're his right. His name I, is the, Father. The and, whole show up until now has been doing yeah. that, but I think this is the moment where the show goes, okay, we had all that. We're going to do something else now. Ooh. Well, I mean, he's clearly some kind of, he's got godlike powers, you know. He's, in this <laughs> episode, you have two shonen tropes played completely straight. Here's the bad guy, and he's literally a wall. And also, here's the good guy becoming a bad guy. Both of them are played so straight. And I also want to throw in a third shonen trope, which is Mei Chang. And her stupid panda. And I know you guys think I'm ridiculous for hating Mei Chang and a panda, but I do generally think that Mei Chang does not fit within the story. No, Michelle, the thing is, I agree with you about Mei Chang. I think Mei Chang as a character really is pretty shoehorned into the whole thing. There's not a whole lot of reason that she's in any particular scene than she kind of has just shown up. I like the panda. <laughs> I also <laughs> like the panda? Yeah. Maybe I'm just a sucker for the shonen tropes deep down. I like to see a subversion of them. I like to see them tested to their limits. But um, I think every now and then, really good story techniques. <laughs> what do you think it. of... Uh, do you think Mei Chang sort of fits in the show? I think just compared to the other characters. She does feel like a brotherhood character. She feels like a maybe even DLC, which is crazy because I know she's in the manga. <laughs> Did you read the manga? Bits and pieces, real bits and pieces. Did they handle her differently in the manga? Because even though I obviously am a diehard patron and friend of the panda, it does feel a little weird when she shows up because Ling's stakes are, are more explored and they're interesting, but she does feel a little right. superfluous. <laughs> I think, but assuming that she has to be there, I think that the panda... It's a good addition. I would rather have Panda than no Panda in this situation. Um, so panda just a helps. Quick, a very quick Panda talk. Let's just get the Panda talk theme. Play it really fast. <laughs> so what do you think? We got the reunion between the Panda and... Mei Chang. Mei Nobody Chang. remembers their names because yeah. they don't matter. No, Xiaomei, I remember. <laughs> I remember Xiaomei. It just felt to me like a completely different show shoehorn into this show that wants to be about bigger things when mei cheng showed up mike you were sitting right next to me you heard me i literally went ah like she <laughs> it sounded like you deflated <laughs> you were just I, really because upset. because i was excited i was really hooked by the episode and i was really connected with it and when mei cheng shows up it's like like a clown going into the scene like just going it didn't do that for me i, I feel I mean? similarly but i think less strongly i'm um, honestly and i've got two thoughts we've made that i've just have come to my brain number one yeah. she's replacing a bunch of short jokes for a little bit because they have mm -hmm. they've, they've been coming out of it for a bit things we've made that kind of does shoehorn her into comic relief is because she does feel surplus to the story many other characters have the same motivation as her um as we find out i think next episode she is of unnecessary at the minute but on the other hand one thing i do have to give brotherhood is that every single character i feel like comes into the fray and is super intentional i think without any spoilers i think every single character is put there as a plant for later especially with may there are two pretty horrible character deaths in this episode as well so it definitely does bat you back and forth i'll always have time for a panda-based punchline Oh, 
That's it. I thought you were going to give us a panda based punchline. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the whole thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. I agree. Every episode gets one. You're allowed to subvert the action one time. And I think that punchline really pulls it off. I agree. That joke comes right after a very important moment in this episode, which I also think the episode fumbles, which is the transformation of Link into a homunculus. Okay. So we, okay, we've arrived I, at this, I and about. I think. This is Samuel's, I think. <laughs> when I said uh, this episode introduces my favorite character, I promise I didn't mean May. <laughs> <laughs> the second greed, greed two. Oh, father, but also by my own logic, greed two by extension, because to me they're the same character. Um, boy, 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 the anime pretty boys are coming in hard. They do not stop from this episode, Mikey. <laughs> from here on, <laughs> attractive character after attractive character. And slow down. All right. Some might even say father is a silver fox. Oh, I would say that. I would say I that. wasn't going to go there. I don't like how it was done. I don't think it was done Ooh, correctly. It's okay. my favorite part. Explain. First of all, it's not greed that has led him here. If anything, it's pride. And when he says that he can take it and he wants this power and he can't go back to Long Fawn and say like, "Oh, you lost an arm for this," and you know he can't look at her in the face without getting this power. Um, that's maybe pride, it's hubris, it's not greed. And it's not something he's getting. He's actually losing himself in order to get something, which means he's getting nothing. In every way, it is a total sham. Usually when demons offer you deals, they lie. They don't even lie. They tell him straight up, I'm gonna take over your body. And he's like, do it! And that's really fucking stupid. Ling, <laughs> I lost a lot of respect for his intelligence. I don't care what happens to him. I honestly hope he screwed himself over because he was given the deals and the terms and inexplicitly stated that you will lose. I'm taking your body. I said, I didn't say I'm going to join you. I'm going to make you great. He said, I'm going to take your body and use it for what I want to use it for. And he's like, do it. And it's really stupid of him to have said that. I just don't like it. Insult my husband's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. When father is like, I could use you to be greed. I just want to be like, why? Like, yeah, what, what, what is made it that made that? you? Yeah, was... because all Ling has done so far is be like, you're not human. And father was like, uh, whatever, kill him. And then he fought. And then father was like, hmm, you sure? Fought. That's a, right, not a right. good think, deal. Yeah, like I think if we had gotten some idea before of Ling as as a character that really wants that instead of like, oh, this guy loves to eat, then I think this moment would have hit better. And also maybe we would have cared more that he is essentially dying. I, can, in a I way. can't believe I'm saying this considering I made fun of it and I hated it so much. But we needed the sad backstory moment like we had with Mei Cheng and the, and the panda. Even oh if, my god, yes. <laughs> even if that moment didn't particularly work with me, that moment's existence does work to like explain why May cares so much about the fucking panda. When we see them connect, it, matters. it works. It matters because we know why these two care so much for each other. We should have had Ling begging to be made immortal the moment he saw Father. That's what no, should have happened. I have a different pitch. I think the even better version of this is if it wasn't Ling at all who became great. If it was a different character who we've seen from the beginning of the show, who we know will stop at nothing to get what he wants, but it's a character who wants everything and who even puts the people near him in danger. Like an actual it means... greedy character, not Ling, yes, who hasn't and been shown to be greedy at all. But we know that character, and that character is Roy Mustang. <gasps> 
I know they don't do it because Roy is a sacrifice and they need him. Michelle, you're so right. That is absolutely the correct narrative move. <laughs> that is so no, right. I think you're at, you actually are right. I do agree. Because everything that Mustang has in terms of his desire for power, yet he like sort of wants to help people and change things, that is all kind of thrusted at in Ling, but we never really get it in explicit or sympathetic terms so he doesn't he, he yeah, comes off more he comes off more as uh the hungry guy what's his name gluttony <laughs> that's not it gluttony yeah he comes off more like <laughs> gluttony than greed because he's eaten all the time like he literally has no <laughs> greed like that's never a it would thing. be funny like, if you were injected with gluttony aren't these just problems that are inevitable when you combine two characters and one character oh because, yeah because like like you're saying like this is is going to be the start of a new character's arc. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's not exactly something that happens every day in fiction. Right. Um, so it's a pretty unique circumstance. So I understand how it could be satisfying for one or both characters. I wonder how much of this is like expectations. I'm coming in and realizing that like, it's not what the show is. I think you're completely bang on because I'm in the in party. This hooked me as an entry point. And from this point on, I have to say, when I was watching this episode back, first time in five years, I could not stop. Yeah. From this episode on till the ending is a marathon and I couldn't, couldn't believe I was stopping. You know, it has to be I'm a marathon. excited. Yeah. The action just does not stop from this point. That's exciting. That's great. I'm excited for it. I'm down for it. Mike! Fuck! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Did I make a bad point? Then it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Mikey at the Bat! Okay, clearly I wasn't wrong. I was a little left of right with my prediction about... <laughs> That's a weird way of saying you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit. I was a bit to play the song again. <laughs> a little off. A little off the off the center mark of correct. But was I wrong? You know, in the long run, as Samuel has pointed out, everything that comes from father is an aspect of his personality. And maybe Van Hohenheim is no different. I don't think. I know that you all think that I think that Van Hohenheim is probably a homunculus or pride or something like that. And you know what? I don't think that. Because we've heard Pride talk and it didn't sound like Van Hohenheim and Van Hohenheim wasn't in the room. I think Van Hohenheim is some kind of byproduct of what he did when he destroyed Xerxes or when he created the homunculus in general. Sort of a, a result of doing all these things. He duplicated himself. That's oh. what I think. But I don't know for sure. It seems like he has different plans than Father. I, I thought it was really cool when they cut to him and he felt you know, the spigot getting turned off or whatever they did, you know, whether it's tectonic energy or not. He, he definitely felt it when father stomped on the ground and turned off alchemy for a beat. I'm really intrigued. I think it's really fascinating. I don't think he's a homunculus. I'm, I'm ready to know more, but that's, what I, that's where my thinking is on father and Van Hohenheim. Good guess. So much thought going into it. I really just watched it for the panda. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I should have said that. <laughs> yes. Now, Mike, it's time for us to tell us what's going to happen in the next episode based only on the thumbnail and the title. Next mm -hmm. week's episode is Struggle of the Fool. Would you please describe the thumbnail we have just posted on the chat? Okay, we got Long Fan and we got Al sitting beside her. She's like, ooh, ow, not having an arm hurts. And he's like, I know, I don't have a body. Oh. <laughs> 
Get some perspective, LaFont. God damn it. So Struggle of the Fool is going to be, I hope, about how Ling is going to be inside himself, like trapped in some weird dimension inside of himself, struggling to realize what a stupid decision he's made. And maybe it'll make me like Ling again. Because right now I just think he's a total moron. Who's the titular fool? Yeah, I think if it's not Ling, then then the other fool... No, I think it's going to be that. That's my prediction. The only thing I can tell you is that, without spoiling, it's kind of a two-parter between hmm. this and the next one. It was casual exploration of corruption. Oh, yeah. oh. Hey, everything's rotten. Ah. All right. Then you know what? I'll, I'll adjust it to say, based off this information, I'm going to say it's going to be about... What's his name? It's going to be about Mustang struggling. <laughs> That's what I'm going to... I'm going to go with that. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode, giving it a score between one star and five stars. I'm going to go ahead and give it 3.5. I have conflicted opinions about this episode, and I'm not sure if the 3.5 is more about my expectations or about the episode itself. So I decided to give an, a grade that's right in the middle, 3.5. I thought that would be 2.5, but that's too low. So 3.5. I think 3.5 for me as well, maybe slightly different reasons. I think there was too much going on, I thought. Too many different things happening at once. Lots of beats that could have been emotional and great, but instead felt a little shoehorned and too quick. And everyone had really big character moments and they were all kind of glossed over so that we could have time for all the others. And it just didn't quite work for me. I don't think we were wrong to point out those motivational issues. There's some glaring things in this episode that are just like, they could have just been handled slightly differently, slightly better. But I still couldn't look away. I'm going to give it four stars. For me, it really is a 4.5 just because of I value everything it, it, at this point in the story to engage me, my own personal history with it. Mm -hmm. It introduces two of my favorite characters. They all get to do some great stuff in this story. We'll see how you guys feel when you get to see all your favorite characters in one episode. <laughs> 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 this really is it for me. Ah, oh, man. It was a five. I've Deducted 0.5 because all of your observations have never even occurred to me before and they are all completely valid. So if anyone gets mad at Samuel, it's our fault. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want to make a deal with the devil and get stuck inside your own body forever as it's dominated by a greedy creature, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analyst. That's FM, the word analyst, on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to see those. We do. We'd like to thank our guest, Samuel Davis, for coming. Thank you so much. It was a joy having you here. A joy to the world, one might say. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, your Twitter, your YouTube, please? Ooh, do not follow the Twitter. Bad idea. Uh, the YouTube, on the other hand, I do whatever I want whenever it comes to me. Absolute freedom. More than anything, I'd like to plug Russian Standard Vodka. <laughs> this. I'll take it. Plug it in. Before you go, Samuel, there is one last thing we have to ask you, which is... Please do your best Full Metal Alchemist, just like the interstitials. I'm going to do it like Ling. Full Metal Alchemist. That's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Great. Apparently that's Ling, huh? <laughs> really bringing out the big talent for... <laughs> I wish you talked like that the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> We'd also like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. If you want to check that out, please go to fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com. You'll be warned, there are spoilers for the rest of the show in the Tumblr, so... Do watch out for that. And if you have any fan art, you post on Twitter. We love to retweet those. Not fan art of us. Just no, wait. Out the show. Don't, <laughs> don't stop them from doing that. 
<laughs> I mean, we, we just like retweeting fan art. But if you're gonna do me, give me a metal arm. On, give him a know, metal arm, but yeah. make him, but make, but make Mike say I was wrong. <sighs> it's him <laughs> looking at the camera and saying I'll I was wrong. It. I would like a metal arm, and and let me be more specific. I would like it to replace one of my arms. Don't just give me a random metal arm like out of my head, you know. <laughs> Please just... do that. <laughs> That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty. Bye.